So the big question is this, how do entrepreneurial salespeople like us who have traditionally sold alone and used gut and intuition to hit their number, take their innate talents and begin selling using science, technology, and the secrets of thousands who have done it before to crush their quota and change the world? That is the question, and this podcast provides the answer. Hi, everybody. Gabe Larson here. Excited for another episode on the Sales Secrets Podcast today. We're going to hear a session given by Dave Boyce, Chief Strategy Officer at InsideSales.com, as he talks about this next-gen sales technology platform. A lot of the things we specialize here at InsideSales.com, but gives you the why, the what, and the how. I thought it was such an interesting take on the market, how companies are using data to fuel their sales growth, that I wanted to help you guys see it and hear it. So I'm going to turn it over to Dave Boyce as he walks us through a next generation sales platform fueled by what we call collective intelligence. Dave, over to you. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Boyce, the Chief Strategy Officer for InsideSales.com. And we're going to be talking about a next gen sales technology powered by collective intelligence. And I will be careful to define both of those terms, but to get us started off, let's do a little thought experiment. If you had the opportunity to redefine enterprise information architecture, how would you do it? If you could rebuild the way we manage our data in enterprises, how would you do it? I would argue that you would rebuild it the way we built the internet. In other words, the more people who use it, the more valuable it becomes to each of us. For instance, Netflix. Netflix makes recommendations on what you might want to watch. In fact, when you log into Netflix, what percentage of the total library of titles do you think is presented to you as an option? The answer is six and a half percent. So the other 93 and a half percent are hidden and you have to go, you have to go explicitly search for the other 93 and a half percent. But how are those six and a half percent chosen? Is it because you already watched them? No, it's because somebody else like you watched them and Netflix is doing some pattern matching to make recommendations that they think will be relevant to you. When you're on Amazon, people who bought this product also bought that product. Does that mean you bought that product? No, somebody else bought that product, but they are matching patterns, purchasing patterns and trying to help you narrow in on something that they think you're going to like them. And the more people who use Netflix and the more people who use Amazon, the more useful it is to you. Now, enterprise architecture was not built that way. Enterprise architecture actually was lifted and shifted from client server data structures, which have very clearly defined firewalls and silos that keep the data in our four walls, in our four walls, never to be commingled. So if we're going to talk about a next generation sales technology powered by collective intelligence, what is the last generation sales technology? Well, I'm going to make a bold statement. The last generation sales technology 
is CRM and CRM is dead. Uh, do we mean that CRM is going away? No, of course not. It's not going away. It's dead because it can't, it no longer has the power to add incremental value to our sales teams. CRM is dead because it's doing its job. It's reached its point of natural value add. And now it is relegated to its home as a database and a system of record. Any incremental value it can add above and beyond that, it, there is no opportunity for it to stretch beyond where it is right now. It has fundamental limitations, and we're going to talk about that. So <clears throat> let's take a look at kind of the era that we're living in right now. Gross domestic product, how is the economy doing in the United States? We are in the most impressive sustained period of economic growth in the United States and most of the world. Um, and that should be good for our sales teams, right? It should be excellent for our sales teams. Well, in reality, it hasn't been. Now, a lot of this is our own doing. <laughs> you know, we, um, and we're now down to 53% of sales reps achieving quota on average in the United States. Um, a lot of that is because 92% of us are raising our targets every year for our sales team. And then we are adding new people, adding new sales members to the team, thinking that when I add new people, I'm going to be able to hit that target. And then we're giving each sales rep 5.6 pieces of technology that look like CRM and derivatives of CRM so they can do more. It's just not working. We think add more people, add more technology, we'll sell more. It's just not working. Now, the problem is that our reps, and I think everyone can relate to this, you know, our teams are working, they're spending time on the wrong things. They're spending some time on the right things, but they're also spending some time on the wrong things. This is a conceptual graph. We've got dozens of these, hundreds of these graphs across actual teams that literally, if, if you've got the highest quality prospects on the right and the lowest quality prospects on the left of this graph, and then you track how much effort is spent on good prospects versus bad prospects versus prospects in the middle, it is shocking to see how evenly distributed our, our effort is often across all qualities of prospects. And why would anyone spend any time on a poor quality prospect, you ask? Well, we all know the answer to that. It's because that's who returns our call. That's who schedules the demo. That's who's willing to take up a slot on our calendar. That's who's willing to take our meeting. It, that makes us feel busy and makes us feel good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're in a closed business. If we had the ability to determine who the good high quality prospects and what the good high quality activities were versus the low quality activities and prospects, we would, of course, aim all of our team's efforts on the right hand side of this graph. And if they had in, and if we were able to give them any tools that allowed them to do more, then we'd have them spend that more effort towards the left only after they had spend as much time as they possibly could on the right-hand side of the graph with our highest quality prospects. That's the ideal. But in order to get that, I need to have information and about the future. And information about the future is kind of the job of... Let me pause. So, Ryan, we're going to redo that. 
if we had information about which prospects were good and which activities were good, where the high quality versus low quality was, we would obviously aim our team at the right-hand side of this chart and have them spend all of their time and effort there until they had run out of anything to do. And then if we had any tools to increase their capacity, we might have them spend some effort towards the left-hand side only as they had expended everything, all the opportunities to the right. The problem is the information that would allow us to do this is not resident in CRM. CRM has information about history. What we want is information about the future. And information about the future is is what our reps are craving every day. And they voted with their feet. They spend 18% of their time in CRM, begrudgingly, because we make them recording details about deals that they've already closed or activities that they've already performed. That is so that we as managers can feel better about uh, knowing what they're doing, but they spend 65% of their time willingly in tools that where they're looking for tomorrow's deals. Those are tools like the inbox, LinkedIn and sales productivity applications like insidesales.com. Now, They want to know something about where buyers are, how they can find them, how they can engage them. That is the type of job that you would trust, not to CRM, but to AI. And AI, you know, according to Google, is more profound than electricity or fire. And AI runs on data. And not all data are created equal. We're interested in data that would tell us where tomorrow's buyers are how they are buying, how they want to be engaged. And by the way, tomorrow's buyers look different than yesterday's buyers. Think about this. 62% of B2B buyers now say they can develop selection criteria or finalize a vendor list based solely on digital content. Or in other words, to put it in simple layman's terms, today's B2B customers act like consumers. You can do... 62% of them say they can get a final set of selection criteria and a final short list without ever talking to a human being. That is very different than 10 years ago and extremely different than 20 years ago. So all of this experience that we brought into it and all of this experience that we've loaded into our CRM isn't relevant if we're trying to figure out how buyers are buying today and how they're buying tomorrow. Furthermore, decision committees are larger. In 2015, on average, 5.4 members of a decision-making committee. 2017, just two years later, 6.8 members of a decision-making committee. That is rapid change. That's a, that's a different way of engaging, and that is how people are engaging tomorrow, not today. So let's talk about how would, where would you get information about how things are happening today, not out of your CRM, but out of something that we call collective intelligence. Now, an easy way to think about this is to compare it to Google Waze. Many of us use Google Waze. It's an app that you download on your phone. It's a navigation app. And Google Waze is 23% more accurate than Apple Maps. Why? Because every user of Google Waze has accepted an agreement that says, yes, I will stream data off of my phone as I drive down the road. It will go back to Google 
And Google will analyze that for the good of every other person who's using Google Ways. And not only that, I can self-report things like I see a traffic incident. I see a police uh, on the side of the road. I see some construction. I can self-report incidents. I can automatically stream data off the back of my phone. We call that data exhaust. And all of that is contributed by every single Wazer. Google calls these Wazers. Every single Wazer who's on the road, every time he or she is driving down the road. That's all community-contributed data, which Google then turns into signal, which is then used when I want to get from point A to point B to help me navigate in the most efficient way. Now, is that artificial intelligence? No, there's nothing artificial about it. It's real intelligence from someone who's 20 minutes ahead of me on the same route that I wanted to take, who's saying, hey, don't come this way, go that way. That's, that is collective intelligence. That's real-time feedback from the collective to help me do my job. So now let's take that. We, we, uh, the subtitle here is Ways for Sales. Let's take that and apply it to sales teams. Imagine if your reps were not logging into this as their primary interface. This is CRM. This is a list. And the temptation here is to start at the top and just call all the way down to the bottom. Start at A and call to Z. And the result of that is peanut buttered effort like we saw on that prior chart where I'm spending time on high quality and medium quality and low quality prospects. Instead of that, imagine that I'm logging into something like this. This is a next best prospect, next best action scripted interface that tells me based on his score and the score of this activity, the next best thing I should be doing is placing a phone call to Kyle Witt, who is in, enrolled in an IT executive play. Well, that's interesting. Not only is it telling me what to do and who to call, but I've also got a script here um, if I get him on the phone. But wait, before I call Kyle, the system says, hey, if you're going to call Kyle at Groupon, other people who called Kyle at Groupon and got engagement also called Natalie and Kara and Hamed. Which other people, you may ask? I don't know. Other people. Other people who got engagement from Kyle also got engagement from Natalie, Kara, and Hamed. Does that mean that's my buying committee? Don't know. But is it a good place to start? Probably so. Same way, you know, is this Netflix title one that I actually would enjoy watching? I don't know. But other people who enjoyed things you enjoy also enjoyed this. So it's a good place to start. If these indeed are people that are worth me considering, I can enroll them in their specific plays. And this saves me a lot of time doing LinkedIn research and title matching and trying to guess who a buying committee might be that surrounds Kyle. All right. So I've done what I'm going to do with those suggestions. I've enrolled the people that I think are worth enrolling. Now I'm going to go ahead and call Kyle. I want to make sure if I call him that I get in touch with him. Right next to that phone number, there are three bars that tells me that's probably a pretty good phone number. Let me see what, let me just double check and make sure I know what that means. Oh, someone in the network, someone in the collective has placed a call to this 10 digit sequence and gotten an answer six days ago. So someone ahead of me on the same path that I want to be on got engagement from this phone number. That's a good number. I'm going to go ahead and place that call. After I call Kyle, the system says email is next. In this IT executive play, the next thing to do is place an email. 
well, I actually don't like the signal um, next to that email address. One bar doesn't look very good to me. I wonder if I could find a better email address. I could ask the collective, but the collective can't give me an email address that I don't already have. That would be a violation of PII. What we could do is run some guesses, different permutations of email addresses, and see if any of those email addresses have ever gotten engagement anywhere in our network. Well, it turns out there is one. A standard permutation, kyle.wit, is an email that someone in our network, we don't know who, um, well, people in our network, we don't know who, have gotten engagement with 92% of the time. Well, I like that way better than this kwit at Groupon.com, so I'm going to send my email to kyle.wit at Groupon.com instead. Furthermore, I can decide to send to kyle.wit at Groupon.com right now, or I can ask the collective, what would the, when does that email address actually engage with email? Because if I send an email at a time when that email is actively being engaged with, chances are I'm at the top of Kyle's screen at that point, not three pages down where he may never see it. Well, it turns out that this particular email owned by Kyle engages with email at 3 p.m. That would be the best time to send it. The collective has voted. That's when I'm going to send it. So using this collective intelligence requires lots and lots of data. And by the way, it requires data about successes as well as data about failures. Imagine, you know, the alternative. Let's say I weren't streaming data off the back end of everybody's activities. This particular data, every time a call gets placed, you know, we know whether it's answered or not. Every time an email gets sent, we know whether it's answered or not. Opened, clicked on, forwarded, downloaded multiple times. What time of day, what day of week. If the call was answered, how long did it last? Was it answered by a human or a machine? We know about which, what the title of the target person is, what the geography of the target person is. All of that data, whether it's working and leading to a sale or not working and leading to a not sale, is being logged. Well, think about this. A hundred billion of those with associated outcomes, that's critical mass. Now, in the, in the prior world, we were reliant on reps to enter information about their activity. So imagine how often a rep swivels from a phone call and types 3.01 p.m., attempted phone call, Mary Jones, no answer, enter. 0.0% of the time would a sales rep enter information about an unanswered phone call. But when all of the information comes together, now I know what works and what doesn't, and I can recommend more of what works and less of what doesn't. That's what we call collective intelligence. And critical mass, once you're in the 100 million profiles across 30 million purchasing companies and 110 billion interactions with those humans at those companies, now I know about every geography, every sales cycle, every industry, and I can start the same way Waze can start adding value. Now, if Waze only had one download in the entire state of Georgia, imagine how useful that is to me. Let's say I'm the one person who's downloaded in Georgia. I can only know where I've been in the past. That's the same as me using my own CRM to chart my course into the future. All I can know is where I've been in the past. But if there are tens of thousands of people on the roads in Georgia, I can actually get information from other people in my state 
relevant to how I'm trying to get from point A to point B. Same analogy for my, if I'm a salesperson, my industry, my geography, my sales motion, et cetera. It does require critical mass. And this is the amount of information that InsideSales.com has collected over the last 15 years. All right. So that was really fun. Uh, That's a great thought experiment, Dave. You know, what if, let's say that were true. Wouldn't all of the juggernauts be falling over themselves to be, to assemble this sort of data? Um, And the answer is yes, they would. And yes, they are. Let's just take a quick tour of the last three years, two and a half years, um, actually three years exactly, um, of, of the billion-dollar bets that are being placed on data that defies traditional silos, traditional kind of corporate firewalled silos. In January of 2016, Janu- uh, IBM bought the Weather Channel for $2 billion. Is that because they care about a talking head on a screen predi- you know, predicting the weather? No, it's because they want the data about weather because data is a driver of sentiment and sentiment is a driver of purchasing of consumer and purchasing behavior. They wanted that asset. Later that year, Microsoft and Salesforce got in a bidding war over LinkedIn. Is that because they cared about another social network? No, absolutely not. Um, it's because LinkedIn is an evergreen source of updated information about B2B buyers and sellers, 400 million professionals across the globe. Wall Street said that Microsoft overpaid at $26 billion. And now today they're saying they underpaid at $26 billion. Salesforce also wanted that asset and did not get it. So later that year, Salesforce was rumored to be bidding for another social network, Twitter. Why? Because they care about, you know, people broadcasting what they're eating or where they're traveling. No, it's because again, because that is a news outlet, a real time news outlet about happenings in the world that can impact uh, economic activity. They did not get that asset. In March of 2017, Salesforce went back to IBM and said, hey, can we access the Weather Channel data so that we can incorporate that in our artificial intelligence? And uh, a year later, Salesforce then went and bought MuleSoft. Now, this is not a primary data source. MuleSoft doesn't own its own data. It's a data mover. I would argue that's a less valuable acquisition than a primary data source and and certainly an evergreen data source. But nevertheless, they spent six and a half billion dollars to be able to move data around. Later that year, Microsoft, Adobe and SAP announced what they call the Open Data Initiative, which, again, is an attempt to defy traditional boundaries and silos in corporate data and and canonically define things like order and customer and inventory and then allow kind of marketing and operational and sales data to all sync up with each other in the cloud, not inside of my four walls necessarily. Salesforce countered that announcement that very next week with an announcement of customer 360, which appears to just be a press release. And now the zinger in January of this year, 2019 SAP made the largest ever acquisition of a venture backed enterprise software company, $8 billion, $8 billion. Bill McDermott, the CEO of SAP, called this the biggest idea of his life. And the way he characterized it was getting the X and O data together. X meaning customer experience data that comes from Qualtrics. 
O meaning operational data that comes from SAP. $8 billion to get operational and experience data into the same place. Okay, great. So a lot of people are spending a lot of money on it, um, but wouldn't we see sales teams if this were applicable to sales and my team, wouldn't we, when I see my peers actually spending money on this? And the answer to that is also yes. Multiple billions of dollars are being spent in a post CRM world for these teams at these and other companies to get access to collective intelligence data so that they are not limited by the four walls of their CRM. They want their teams to be able to optimize their path from point A to point B and not just do more, but do more of the right things so that they can actually hit their quotas. And more importantly, not only are they spending billions of dollars, they're making money plus 30%, plus 40%, plus $50 million, plus $100 million. These are teams who have figured out how to leverage the power of the collective to get their teams working on the right things. And when they do that, it makes their teams more powerful. Collective intelligence is real intelligence. It's intelligence that comes from people who are ahead of me on the path that I want to go down. It is the exact same thing that I would do if I didn't have technology, but I were a really good rep. Let's say I got Cisco assigned to me in my territory. Would I just start dialing for dollars into Cisco? No, I'd call a friend of mine who sold into Cisco and I'd ask, who's relevant? Who's not relevant? Who talks a lot but can't do anything? Who can get a deal done? Where does the budget uh, live? I would be asking friends of mine who've sold into Cisco for guidance on how to do it. Now we've systematized that into a system, just like ways for, uh, ways for navigation. Inside Sales has systematized collective intelligence to help me go down the optimal path to get from point A to point B, and we can give that to all of our reps and make them smarter and faster at what they do and hopefully hit higher than 53% quota. Thank you very much. I would love to talk more about this and let's get into it. Want more sales secrets? Go to salessecrets.io to receive copies of our latest research and best practice content to help you crush your quota. <laughs>